warm welcome to the newest sponsor of the Bama Online Podcast, Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com right now. So many of you love the vintage look now with gear, your favorite team. Certainly for you, most of you listening to this podcast, that is the University of Alabama. The vintage look with the Big Al logo, you're going to find it on a multitude of options there at homefieldapparel.com, whether it's t-shirts, whether it's sweatshirts, you name it, they've got you covered there at homefieldapparel.com. Black Friday sale, in effect, from Friday, November the 26th through Monday, November the 29th, you're going to get 20% off your purchases during the Black Friday sale at homefieldapparel.com. Also, if you're a first-time visitor to homefieldapparel.com, enter BAMA247, that's BAMA247 at checkout, you're going to get an additional 15% off your purchase at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one, late night, Thanksgiving night, 2021. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. Part of the 247sports.com network. Always good to join you here on the pod. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving out there. I didn't eat to the point of extreme discomfort or maybe feeling the need of, say, a four-hour nap. But I got it in for sure. What's that enzyme that's in Turkey that we always hear about? Supposedly makes you sleepy. Tryptophan? Tryptophanin? Something like that. It didn't get me too bad this time around. We made multiple stops. I'm sure a lot of you do that as well during the holiday season. Started out with a brunch at one stop. More of the breakfast type items. Mid-morning with that. It was outstanding. Kind of an egg casserole. Not a big casserole guy, as stated previously here on the podcast. But if you give me some scrambled eggs with some sausage in it, you know, I can make that work. That's just basically scrambled eggs with sausage. So I can do that. The wife makes this homemade bread. And she did a cinnamon version of it for the brunch. Oh, my goodness. Put some of that honey butter that she makes on there with it. Oof. That was outstanding, good times. And then later in the afternoon and evening hours, we did more of the traditional Thanksgiving dinner. We had a couple different types of turkey. We had a roasted turkey. I was responsible for the smoked turkey. I cheated. I ordered a smoked turkey from Tyler, Texas, which seems very appropriate given that we're going to be talking about a commitment for the Alabama football team that came about on this Thanksgiving day, also from Tyler, Texas. So I did the smoked turkey from Greenberg's Turkeys out of Tyler, Texas. Never had tried one of theirs before. I got to tell you, unsolicited recommendation, tremendous smoked turkeys coming from Greenberg's. Everybody loved the turkey. It went quickly. It never had a chance. I do have a couple of drumsticks left over along with the carcass that will go into a pot hopefully and that will become a version of turkey soup that is just out of this world but again not much on the casseroles you know no green bean casserole no broccoli casserole no sweet potato casserole pretty much turkey mashed potatoes some gravy on there did the traditional green beans a uh, slice of pie, a really good pie that was on hand for the later version of the Thanksgiving 
spread. That was some good stuff. And by the way, I know I talked about this on the last podcast, the cast iron skillet cornbread, Walker County cornbread, as I call it, buttermilk cast iron skillet cornbread. I did get that. It was just on Wednesday night. Uh, We had some white bean chicken chili uh, that we did up along with that cast iron skillet buttermilk cornbread. Yeah, it was good. Capped it all off with some iron bowl on this Thanksgiving night. This is almost, this almost qualifies as a watch along at this point. As I record this podcast, there's a little more than two minutes left. Lane Kiffin, I believe, has gone through three hoodies at this point. He went with the kind of powder blue, and then he went to a white, and now he's back in the powder blue. So that's your Lane Kiffin hoodie update with 226 left. And the Rebels lead Mississippi State. This game is closer than it probably should be at this point. Uh, 31-21, the Rebels looking to salt this one away in Starkville. Mississippi State in the first half just missed multiple opportunities. Couldn't catch the football. Mississippi State running backs and wide receivers there in the second quarter. Also missed a couple field goals that are looming large right now, and it looks like Matt Corral is going to go out on a winning note. This could be a good thing, right, for Alabama in terms of its college football playoff resume if it comes down to it. You know, if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia uh, in the SEC championship game, or even if it does, but something happens on Saturday on the Plains, let's just say a two-loss Alabama team, some form or fashion, uh, is looking for one of those spots in the four-team field. You know, Ole Miss is sitting here about to be 10-2, and two, top 10 team. That win looks better and better. That win looks better and better for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Busy, busy Thanksgiving Day, once again, for Alabama Athletics. And what we'll do is we'll get into some hoops, we'll talk some recruiting, then we'll provide you with a little bit of a preview of Saturday's Iron Bowl down at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Not so good news on Thursday evening for Nate Oates' team as it tastes defeat for the first time during the 2021-2022 season, falling to Rick Pitino and that Pesky bunch of uh, gales, not owls, gales from Iona. Iona comes down from Gotham and gets the four-point win over 10th-ranked Alabama. Javon Quinterly, the Alabama guard, a driving layup attempt there late to tie the game, blocked by Iona's Barrick Jean-Louis, who, by the way, probably the Gales' top defender. UA forced a foul at that point, and Nellie Joseph of Iona, the forward, ices it with a couple of free throws. Jaden Shackelford for Alabama with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Quinterly with 15 points of his own. Curious stat line for Keon Ellis. And even not so much because he finished with just four points, and it was good to see him with eight rebounds. You know Keon's going to figure out ways to contribute. But he took just three shots from the field in the game. That can't happen in 33 minutes of game action. This wasn't a situation where Keon Ellis picked up a couple of fouls early and had his opportunities limited by a reduction in minutes. Played 33 minutes, had just one foul in the game, uh, but just four points on three shots for Keon Ellis. Alabama as a team takes just 17 threes in the loss, just five threes in the first half. Crimson Tide makes just five of those 17 attempts for the game. 
Seemed as if Rick Pitino was pretty intent on running Alabama off the three-point line and making the Crimson Tide win the game from inside the arc. And Alabama still had plenty of opportunities to do just that in the second half. Had a seven-point lead with a little more than 11 minutes to go. Nate Oates gets a technical, culminates with a 10-1 run for the Gales, and the next thing you know, the game's tied at 47. And at that point, you're pretty much insured of a very tight finish. And Iona wasn't exactly lighting it up from deep, just four of 21 from three for the Gales. But free throws, nothing free about them, right? 16 of 21 for Iona from the line compared to 13 of 25 for Alabama. You know, we can talk about the great job Rick Pitino did in getting his team over the hump or helping his team get over the hump against a team that it lost to last March in the NCAA tournament. But there's not much coaching involved in the free throw line. So 13 to 25, we can credit Rick Patino with a lot. I don't think we can credit him with Alabama's misfires from the free throw line. And look, Alabama could have been better in every phase of the game, including on the defensive end where Iona shot 52% from the field in the second half with that for Alabama. Uh, Drake up next down there in Central Florida a game that will be played at 3.30 Central on Friday afternoon. Drake, a loser to Belmont in the nightcap down there at the ESPN Events Invitational opening round action. So Alabama Drake on Friday afternoon. Of course, this means with the loss on Thursday, no potential matchup of Alabama and Kansas in Sunday's championship game, but still for Alabama, an opportunity to go two and one in the event. And you're not really worried about strength of schedule with Alabama, right? Because yes, an opportunity to take on Kansas would have been welcomed. It would have helped from that regard. But when you look at this Alabama schedule before you get to SEC play and you see in succession, Gonzaga, Houston, Memphis, uh, strength schedule is going to be just fine for Nate Oates' team. Alabama football, as we alluded to earlier in the program, picking up a commitment on Thanksgiving Day from four-star running back Jamarian Miller. Miller flipping from the home state Texas Longhorns to the Crimson Tide. The Tyler, Texas native checks in as the number seven running back prospect for the 2022 recruiting cycle. And that's according, of course, to the 24-7 Sports Composite rankings. With the pickup, Alabama now has 20 commitments and sits with the number two class in the 24-7 Sports Composite team rankings for the 2022 cycle. 5'10", 195 pounds. Hey, maybe Miller is the running back to be named later in the trade for Keelan Robinson. Of course, Keelan previously transferred to Texas, so Texas gets one of Alabama backs, one of Alabama's backs, and um, Alabama goes back to the state of Texas, and look, Alabama's had a lot of success in the state of Texas of late in general, but certainly at the running back and playmaker position in general, the Lone Star State has been especially good to the Crimson Tide. 
Miller recently became Legacy High School's all-time leading rusher with more than 4,700 career yards to his credit. A pretty good running back came out of Tyler, Texas about 40 years ago or so. This is for the old heads out there. I like talking to the old heads specifically on guys like this because Earl Campbell, the Tyler Rose back in the day, uh, came out of the Tyler, Texas area. Of course, Earl went on to the Texas Longhorns there in Austin before doing big things with the then Houston Oilers in the National Football League. Well, it looks like this time around, a top running back from Tyler won't be headed to Austin after all. He'll be headed to Tuscaloosa instead. Of course, on Saturday afternoon down at Jordan-Hare Stadium, you got Alabama and Auburn down on the Plains. Alabama losers of three of their last four Iron Bowl trips to the Plains. A lot of talk about Nick Saban's comments on his weekly radio show Wednesday night in relation to the fan base and showing more gratitude for what the players at Alabama put into it and what they accomplish. And, you know, this was one of the rare cases where a coach can take a fan base to task and you actually hear and see fans in attendance applauding the coach while he's doing it. Saban is also a rare exception, of course, in that he has seven national titles to his credit. We've seen coaches in the past maybe take this kind of approach and the result was considerable pushback from the the fan base involved. I can think of Mark Godfrey on a time or two during his time as the men's basketball coach at Alabama where those situations cropped up. Look, as an Alabama fan, the biggest positive that you're taking from all this is that your senior 70-year-old coach still has the fire in the old belly. It still means something, obviously, to Nick Saban. And the bottom line in all of it is that the players seem to have responded favorably. You've seen that on social media here in the last day or so. And at the end of the day, that's the only reaction that really matters. If that helps, if it helps Alabama these next couple of Saturdays, uh, what we've seen here in the last 24 hours or so, uh, the legend of Nick Saban will just continue to grow. I know that sounds impossible, but perhaps that will be the case. As for the game on Saturday, there's some specific matchups I'll be tuned into. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, Alabama special teams – uh, where fakes or potential fakes are concerned. I know it seems like we wouldn't have to have this discussion, but given what we've seen uh, the last couple of conference games that Alabama has participated in, uh, I mean, if you're Auburn, you almost feel like you might need to just start the game, like in a field goal formation or a punt formation on first down, first play of the game, come out. You know, Gus Malzahn would probably do that if he was still at Auburn, just come out in a field goal formation and run a fake on first down. Yeah, I think what you will see in all seriousness, though, from the Alabama defense, given what Auburn is about offensively now in the Brian Harson era, is, and you saw some of this even when Gus was in charge down on the plains. You're going to see a good bit of base defense, which is becoming more and more of a rarity because – Auburn with Mike Bobo as the offensive coordinator and Harson and his background offensively. 
you're going to see a good bit of 12 personnel. You're going to see a running back tank. Bigsby um, certainly is going to be a guy that you're going to see plenty of on Saturday. Uh, Jarquez Hunter in support of Bigsby as well. Maybe some Sean Shivers. I think what you're going to see with Sean Shivers is more of a third down situation with him. And if Sean Shivers is in the game on third down and it's third and five or third and six, TJ Finley's going to throw him the football. And that's their guy. That's who they like to go to on those third downs, and he'll go get it. He's not the biggest back in the world, but runs with great leverage for his size, and uh, he'll go get the needed yardage when given the opportunity. But a lot of one-back, two tight ends. You might even see some two-back because Auburn opened the South Carolina game last Saturday in some two-back with um, with Bigsby and Hunter flanking Finley, and they ran an outside zone with Hunter as a lead blocker on that for Tank Bigsby. But good bit of tight ends, good bit of uh, you know, the backs in the game. And I think you know, with that, you're looking at Henry Toa Toa and Christian Harris to be very much in the middle of things once again, not just because of what Tank Bigsby brings to the table as a runner and Hunter to an extent as well. Hunter's been more effective in non-conference play than, say, SEC play, but for a freshman, very promising future, I'd say, for the Mississippian Jarquez Hunter. Uh, The passing game as well. Uh, Auburn likes to throw it to the tight ends. They like to throw it to the backs. You know, when you combine uh, those two positions in the passing game, you're talking about 82 receptions this year between running backs and tight ends. So you're going to get Toa Toa and Harris matched up from time to time. A guy who can make it tough, as he typically does on a weekly basis, in any area of the passing game for opposing units is Will Anderson. You know, and how Mike Bobo has to go about game planning and scheming for Will Anderson. Does he have to go with a good bit of seven-man protection? We've seen Auburn do that some this year. Uh, Six- and seven-man protection with keeping the tight end in or keeping a tight end and a back end. Uh, That could change things in terms of how much of an impact Toa Toa and Harris have in coverage. Harris, the last couple of SEC games, he's gotten matched up in some tough ones and given up some touchdown receptions. So I'm sure you'll see Auburn hope to exploit that in Saturday's game. Now, again, whether or not uh, T.J. Finley is afforded the time needed to do some of it remains to be seen. And again, as we understand, no Bo Nix in this matchup. I think that helps Alabama a good bit because you don't have to account for his legs, not just in terms of extended plays, but I thought Bobo had done some nice things throughout the season in terms of designed runs for for Bo Nix, and those won't obviously be in effect as much with a 6'7 quarterback behind center in T.J. Finley. You know, something else I think you'll see on Saturday, I think – you're going to see Jamison Williams go for 100 yards again. Seems like a pretty safe bet at this point, right? Considering that he's done it in the last four games, four straight 100-yard receiving games for Jamison Williams. On Saturday, he'll try to do something no other Alabama player has done in program history. That's five straight 100-yard receiving games. That's right, Amari Cooper didn't do it, not even in 2014 with that crazy season he had. Um, 
Devontae Smith didn't do it last year with a similar season to what Cooper had back in 2014. Jerry Judy didn't do it during his time at Alabama. DJ Hall had four straight. DJ still sort of flies under the radar. When we talk about just productive productive receivers in Alabama football history, you go back and look at some of the things DJ did, especially against Tennessee. He loved to light up Tennessee, it seemed like. But um, those are the kind of names that we're talking about that haven't done it in the past. And I think Jamison Williams gets there. Fifth straight 100-yard game coming up. Maybe, as much as anything, need to keep an eye on John Mechie. Can he continue to produce at that high level that we've seen here over the second half of the season because when you think a week ahead to the SEC championship game in the matchup with Georgia, you're going to need a couple of those guys. You're going to need both those guys. I think what you're going to have too with these backs and these inside linebackers and not just in terms of Bigsby going against Toa Toa and Christian Harris, I think there's going to be some major collisions between backs and linebackers on Saturday afternoon at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And when Alabama has the football, that means Brian Robinson, Zacoby McLean in that matchup for Auburn. Uh, Chandler Wooten is a guy that we've seen play a good bit alongside McLean this season because Owen Papo has been in and out of the lineup. Papo sustained an injury against Penn State earlier in the season, and it's kept him sort of limited and out of the lineup. So, Look for Zacoby McLean, Chandler Wooten, and then Brian Robinson from the Alabama side of things. And, you know, maybe Trey Sanders a little bit more than last week, although I wouldn't necessarily bet on that. You know, Brian is obviously the workhorse, and it won't just be collisions between backs for both teams and linebackers for both teams in the run game. I think uh, pass protection, you're going to see some pretty good ones there as well so some things to consider for saturday's matchup in the iron bowl uh explosive plays too something you're certainly going to want to keep an eye on and not just because of jamison williams and john mechie from the alabama side of things but can auburn i think this is another area where things could be problematic for auburn in the game saturday and that's understanding alabama has certainly almost inexplicably given up some some big play. You saw it just last week uh, with Traylon Burks in Arkansas and what he was able to do and going for eight catches for 179 receiving yards. Um, I don't know. Well, I'm, I do know Auburn doesn't have a Traylon Burks. And Kobe Hudson, one of Auburn's top wide receivers, was out last week. We'll see if he's able to go this week. Uh, Demetrius Robertson has delivered. Uh, had a huge uh, explosive against Arkansas in October and that win for the Tigers over the Razorbacks. So, Javarius Johnson, there are some guys in that core that can do it, uh, but we haven't seen it uh, on a nearly consistent basis like we have with, say, Jamison Williams or Traylon Burks or, you know, some other guys around the league. And um, so the Alabama defense, I think, we'll see how that corner situation shakes out with Josh Joe. Kool-Aid McKinstry, who gets the nod at star? Is it Malachi Moore? Is it Brian Branch? Plenty of intrigue on the back end of that Alabama defense. And then, you know, the Auburn secondary uh, in trying to limit the Alabama explosive plays. Roger McCreary at the one corner, highly regarded defensive back who is expected to have his name called early 
in next spring's NFL draft. You got some question marks, though, at the other corner and also at the star defensive back spot with Jalen Simpson, the starter on the other side from McCreary. Ladarius Tennyson was the guy we saw last week in the loss for Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn came out in its base defense. South Carolina had a couple tight ends on the field to open the game. But when South Carolina did go to three wide receivers, it was Ladarius Tennyson that came in. And, you know, Derek Mason is still going to serve up some pressure, defensive coordinator for Auburn. He's going to bring numbers. Now, he's going to bring some simulated pressures, too. In other words, some zone blitz looks where Auburn's going to put a lot of guys up there and then bail out and rush four. Uh, just try to confuse that Alabama offensive line and pass protection schemes with some of those looks. But McCreary is the kind of guy most weeks that's able to lock up a guy, lock up a side of the field. Can he do that with Jamison Williams? Maybe, to an extent, anyway. But even if he does, he can't cover the whole field. And you're still going to have to deal with John Mechie, uh, perhaps the Alabama tight ends, uh, are able to provide something in the way of significant production. They weren't bad last week against Arkansas. It's just the Latou fumble down inside the, the five-yard line was such a impactful play in the game and really helped extend the game for Arkansas. So uh, take care of the football this week. That's the biggest request of Cameron Latou and Jalil Billingsley when they get opportunities in the passing game. So some matchups, both in terms of the passing game that we gave you and also where the run game is concerned. And then you always, you always have to take into consideration Will Anderson and, you know, can Auburn protect TJ Finley well enough to give him a chance to make some throws and some throws down the field against this Alabama defense? Uh, And will it come at the expense of, sort of limiting the number of guys that Auburn can send out in the route because it has to go with maybe more max protection. Some game within the game stuff as we get you ready for Saturday's Iron Bowl. That's going to do it for the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Always appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Simple as a click or two. Anywhere you consume podcasts, you're going to find us. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And, of course, you're going to want to hang out with us all weekend, all the time you want to hang out with us. Right there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. The roundtable right there with us at BamaOnline.com. Great recruiting coverage, as you've seen here just in the last day or so, with the latest commitment for Alabama from Jamarian Miller, the four-star running back from Tyler, Texas. Tim Watts, site publisher all over it. Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BOL, all over it. And then as we get you into the basketball and the Iron Bowl, Charlie Potter, team reporter for us, is out is outstanding. Kirk McNair, um, you know, just an incredible resource of experience and, and the time he spent around the University of Alabama Athletic Department. And then I'll handle some analysis stuff for you there as well. We got you covered at BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, once again, thanking you for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.